Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome into another edition of the Full Court Press. Middle of the week for you. 401, your start time here on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, 1069thefan.com, or streaming on the 1069 Fan mobile app. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or interviews, uh, you can hop onto our podcast. Uh, we actually have it on our mobile app, on the 1069 Fan mobile app. Um, we also have it on our website, which is 1069thefan.com, or you can go to Apple, Spotify, or iTunes, I think. It's still there. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, we've had some adjustments being made, but uh, all our shows should be there. If they're not, then I'll... I'll fix that immediately. Audrey Salveson here. Eric Franson is chatting with people and won't be quiet, so he's delaying himself to come in. A lot to get to today. It's a What Went Wrong Wednesday, so we'd love to hear from you on any topic, but especially what went wrong. 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321 here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Text in with your thoughts, concerns, questions, whatever you got in sports. Topic related. Um, there's a lot to get through again. We'll have our What Went Wrong uh, National Signing Day for the Aggies has come and gone. We'll uh, talk about those uh, players who have signed with the Aggies. We will talk about uh, you know what we the direction of what this team may be headed. Uh, and then you'll hear from Coach Anderson as well. He's got a lot of a lot of good comments. He'll he'll talk about each guy, what they mean to the team transfer wise, kind of his idea as they were recruiting in their first year. Um, and, and much, much more. So you hear from Coach Anderson throughout the show uh, today. There's a lot of bites. There's, I mean, it was about a 33-minute interview with an eight-and-a-half-minute opening statement. So that kind of tells you uh, how, uh, how long of a day it was for us media, but in a good way, in a good way. It's good to have uh, football talk back. I, I, I'll be honest, Ajay. It did not feel like 30 minutes for me. Really? Uh, I felt like I could keep talking to this guy. Yeah, he's, and he's Do we energetic. have to end yeah. this? Yeah, he's an energetic guy. You'll, you'll find that out in his tone of voice and in excitement in his excitement of talking about Utah State football uh, and, and by the way he was uh, just recently engaged he got engaged here in the valley uh, to his uh, beautiful girlfriend Brittany um, and uh, they met in I believe in Arkansas and she's moving out here with her two boys and uh, should be out here in the next um, month or two I believe so uh, yeah newly engaged I should say coach Anderson uh, talk to the media again. We'll get to all that and much, much more. Yeah, he even talked about Isaac Larson, the local kid turned Aggie now, who was at who was at Logan, then at Skyview. Uh, was great in both places and good enough to earn a, a scholarship here at Utah State. Uh, he talks about where he sees him on the field and the impact he could have. So, uh, we good getting to some national signing day stuff. It's good to talk Aggie football without the negativity. Uh, that could surround it, that it's going to be all positive, all excitement, and all looking forward into the future. Now, there are still some questions uh, that, uh, you know, how do these how do these new people fit in with what's already there? And, Ajay, you and I yesterday, we were wondering, like, how does this work with th- this term that's being used, these super seniors, uh, these guys who have, in a normal year, Situation would have used up all their eligibility, but because of COVID, NCAA has said, hey, if you want to come back for another year, and if your college is going to uh, give you the financial aid to do it, we'll grant you another year of eligibility. And um, I I thought it was really interesting how he 
went through that and answered that. Like, how do you handle your quote unquote super seniors, this group of players that are already going to be back, and their experience and, and, and their knowledge of the system and, and the, the lay of the land and the conference, things, all that, in connection with what your focus was in recruiting, especially with so many transfers coming in. And um, as you might suspect, you're not going to go get a transfer, a graduate transfer, or somebody that's been at a, a another Division One institution for some time if you don't think they can come in and fill an immediate need. Sure, absolutely. No, that's a good point. Uh Sorry, you want me to play the bite right now, or are you? No, I just thought okay. that was one of the more interesting. Yeah. We don't need to play it and it was right a, this I, moment, it was a great but we do need to play you too. Yeah, but I thought that question. was one of the more interesting aspects of of the media availability earlier today. Just going through that and how he really parked one in kind of like one area and then dealt with another in an, in another area. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting how he handled that. Yeah, so again, all Aggie football talk here later on in the show. Again, to what went wrong Wednesday. So give us your what went wrong throughout the weekend of sports. Again, 435-339-0321. would love to hear from you. Uh, Coach Smith also spoke to the media today, but we'll save his audio for tomorrow. So the Aggies get ready to play Fresno State in another road series. It feels like they've been on the road forever. I mean, even when they play a home series, it just seems so brief. And they turn around and they hit the road again. Uh, this is their, uh, believe it or not, uh, second to last road series they go to one more Boise State and that's it that's true that's yeah, it because Nevada is in Nevada's Logan. home Wyoming's home so this will be their second to last road series uh but uh, good a lot of good stuff from coach Smith as well speaking of Mountain West Conference basketball it became official the San Diego State New Mexico series has been canceled not postponed canceled now, what does that mean for the future of New Mexico football or New Mexico basketball? That's still uncertain. Um, Jeff Grammer, really interesting interview with him yesterday really about good. this drama that's unfolding in real time. Um, San Diego State, they put together something. They officially released a statement saying our series with New Mexico has been canceled and they're looking for other teams to play. They're on a little bit of a hot streak right now. They want to keep playing. They don't want to take the time off. I don't so, know who you find. So there was a rumor of report. I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, that San Diego State reached out to Gonzaga and said, "Hey, we'd love to come mm. play you at your place." There are a lot of the West Coast Conference games not happening this week, and because the, of COVID. And reportedly, the response was because again, San Diego State said, "We'll come to Gonzaga and we'll come play you there." Mark Few's response was. I'm not going to let my streak die at the hands of Mitchell and Shackle. <laughs> uh, and again, that and and Jay Wright or not Jay Wright, excuse me. Uh, Brian Dutcher and uh, and Mark Few are good friends. Uh, they've known each other for quite some time. They've been in the coaching biz and in the collegiate basketball for a long time as well. So uh, there's a good friendship there. So I'm having friendly banter. Instead, Gonzaga now has moved up their BYU game. They're supposed to play February 27th. That has now been moved to this upcoming Monday night. So next Monday night at 9 p.m. at the Marriott Center, the Gonzaga Bulldogs are playing the BYU Cougars where uh, the crime of it all happened last year where BYU upset Gonzaga at the Marriott Center. So Gonzaga is looking for some revenge. Best team in the country, far and away, hands down, best team in the country. Uh, this could be interesting. If you're an Aggie fan, and I hate to say this, you're rooting for BYU. Why? Because BYU was on your schedule and they beat you. 
And that, that loss could look really, really good if BYU can take care of business versus Gonzaga next Monday night again, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, by the way, Jeff Grammer, uh, he's got some updates on this whole situation with New Mexico. Let's hear it. Paul Weir uh, held a presser today um, and said that uh, the after their series with Fresno State, they had eight healthy scholarship players. And he says three players came to voice their concerns. One saying that he needed academic time. One said that his knees needed rest. And one said that he needed a mental break. So they were down to five scholarship players. Yeah, that's a problem. You need a bench. Uh, Coach Weir said, our intent is to play at Colorado State. It's not going to happen. They're scheduled to play at CSU on February 9th and 11th. So we're six days away from that. They're five days, and they travel in five days, play in six days. That's not happening. So, well, the question is, does the player who has uh, ac- needs academic time, can he get his academics together? The one that needs to rest for his knees, can he get enough ice and ibuprofen? Yeah. Drug and then. And the player that needs the, the mental break with this time off kind of help them kind of reset. Yeah. Because uh, New Mexico, Coach Weir, and the other guys that are, are on that team, they still want to finish this thing out. So they're, they're, I think that tells us that their season is not done. They're not going to forfeit the rest of the year. Um, they are still intending to play the rest of what's on their schedule. They're just not going to play this week against San Diego State. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and the question, again, still remains is, is this a formality of them deciding to call it a quit or call it a quit for the season, or are they going to try to play it through? And, and, look, if they were to say, you know what, we're done, I don't blame them. I honestly do not blame them. Um, I had the gall to ask Coach Smith about uh, <laughs> about the, uh, the Leon Rice comments and thoughts of, moving or at least making adjustments to the Mount West Conference uh, Andre, tournament. Andre, you asked a Mount West Conference tournament question. Okay. No, Don't you hold, and I no, know hold on, hold to on, not hold ask on, those questions hold on, after hold all on. the curious okay. George questions <laughs> no. we've heard oh, stop, stop. over the last wait, six weeks? Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, oh, Fetch, where is this? Okay, I hope I have the right one here. Um, I did ask. Because I was just curious to get the thoughts. and Curious. There it is. Oh, okay. Yo, yo. <laughs> okay. It wasn't, it wasn't curious. Um, but I wanted to know. Like, the, Leon Rice made the comments. Almost every Mount West Conference coach has been asked about it. Almost every Mount West Conference coach has commented on it, going against Leon Rice's thoughts, whether in the top four or not. Um, and so I asked Coach Smith. And uh, he... He was really nice to Curious George. With me, he's a little bit more blunt. And I, I think I'd take that as a compliment. Hold on. Make sure I got the right question here. I mean, honestly, that's a great question. I haven't even thought about it because um, I can't control it. So I try not to waste my time thinking about it. You can make the argument every year to protect your top four teams. You shouldn't have the bracket the way we have it uh, because you always have a chance to look, look, at, uh, look at us the last two years. We're the number two seed, win the league the one year. We're a um, – I mean, our first year we were probably in. Last year we were a bubble team. 
and we almost lost the quarterfinal game both years. So you could use that argument every year. That's not exclusive to this year. Um, I don't know. I, I'd have to think more about that. Uh, I got enough to worry about with our team just trying to be the best we can be. Thanks, Coach. You bet. Good question, Ajay. I just haven't thought about it. No. <laughs> so <laughs> if it's Curious George asking, he's a little bit more, you know, but more lenient on it. If it's me, it's asking. It's like, Ajay, you know better. Okay, <laughs> we're in the middle of a Mount West conference run. Don't. We just lost two straight. Now we're getting ready for Fresno on the road. Don't, I'm not talking about no tournament right now. And I, I really should have followed it up with. They didn't well, lose two straight. Yeah, they did. They lost to Colorado State and then UNLV. Or U, yeah, Colorado State and then UNLV. Back-to-back games. Then they, they won the second of the UNLV games. Yeah. But they lost two straight at one point. Well, at one point. Okay. But they, they're not coming off of oh a two-game losing streak. Are you serious? Where's Alex when you need him? Maybe we gave him correctly grammar us. Uh, but I should have followed it up with, so what are your thoughts about going to the Indianapolis in 68? Do you think you can make that work? Do you think you work? can make it to the tournament? Do you think you can be one of 68 teams Coach, that go to Indiana? How are you preparing for the NCAA tournament since you're going? Oh, how he, do you think your players will feel if they get the invitation me. to go to Indiana? He would have absolutely lost it on me if I would have asked him that. Oh, shucks. what would it be like if you got the call that said that Utah State was don't, going to the NCAA tournament? Don't, don't do this. Would your team be excited, Coach? This would obviously be your first appearance in the NCAA tournament. What? Was, <laughs> that's your fault. So your fault. Nine three one five texted in. Ajay, I heard that Tom Brady jersey sales are up to a record best when he made the Super Bowl this year. Is this true? Yes, is actually the highest increase in the last 10 years of any player to make the Super Bowl this year as a Buccaneers player. And, Ajay, did you add to this record-breaking jersey sales? Well, being a lifelong Bucks fan, I just added to my Buccaneers collection. Warren Sapp, Mike Allstott, Warren Dunn, now Tom Brady. So, yes, I did add to it. I need to go get a Jameis Winston. No, no. I knew that those jersey sales were crap. <laughs> and they're probably not even authentic. You were so excited when... They're probably fake. When Tampa announced they were drafting Jameis Winston to be their future quarterback. I, you know, I was upset. Um, I had my Bucks hat on backwards, and I, and I had my New England Patriots jersey on at the same time, supporting both teams right. as I should. Right, of course. I was livid <laughs> with the Jameis Winston <laughs> draft. I was not happy. Uh, and I knew it would be a downfall, and I refused to buy his jersey. Uh, 9315 also asks, 9315 has been very busy with his thumbs uh, sending the text. Why do why do you make it so bad? No, I'm not. I'm just he's sending a lot of stuff in. It's all good. I love it. If New Mexico is done for the year, how would this affect the Mountain West tournament on the brackets? And is Ajay insane to ask past the next game they play? Yes. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> we... We should have all learned in the media that Coach Smith and his players. I wish I could have seen a video of Al when I asked that question. Are only going to answer questions about the next team in front of them. <laughs> Despite how many times you might try to ask. Poor Kyle Cottom probably wanted to strangle me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, fetch. but to his other question, yeah. how will it affect the tournament if they are done? Well,. Just puts it down to ten. No, it's just a ten-team so tournament. Wait, do, so, so wait, do you cut away a buy then? Because what, four teams get a buy or five teams get a buy in the first round? Um, I thought it was top four. Four, wasn't it? So then, does a team lose a buy then? Because if that's the case, then that top three spot really does become competitive, and it depends what Colorado. I think, but I think Colorado State has the easiest schedule. 
of Boise and Utah State down the stretch. Yeah, because they've already played the Aztecs, they've already played the Aggies, and they've already played the Broncos. So now, you're pretty much golden the rest of the way. I mean, you know, barring any tragic setback here, if you're a Ram. But, yeah, I would imagine the team would have to take away Bikes and puts in 10 teams into the tournament now. Yeah, they'd have to. It would, it would need to be changed uh, how they do it. Um, does somebody else decide to, to not go? Yes, yeah, and the other question is, what does San Jose State decide to do? But they're in a little bit. I mean, I know they lost Seneca Knight, but in a moral standpoint, it seems like they're in a little bit better of a situation than New Mexico is. So I would imagine San Jose State would be more than happy to go to Las Vegas to play in the tournament. I would think Air Force is too. Kind of crazy if Air Force didn't. And by the way, I think Air Force could upset somebody. I don't know who, but I'd be very wary of them. Air Force would, I, I'm not going to say terrify, but it makes you open your eyes just a tad bit. What have you found? Yeah, so... Um... This is great radio right yeah, here. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, so, anyways, uh, if New Mexico does so, decide to bow out, go ahead. I was just going to say, there were five teams last year who had the first round bye. So then it makes it four? So Colorado State so, right now, Boise State, Utah State, and someone else? I don't even know. I guess. Is. I don't know how you do it. Yeah. You'd have to adjust the bracket. Who plays in the first round? Who gets a bye and just skips to the quarterfinals? Um, but you probably your top four teams would get the bye, I would imagine. So right now the top four, as is, is Broncos at ten and one right now. They are what the fetch? Oh yeah, sorry, ten and one in conference play. Aggies are at ten and two. Colorado State nine and three. San Diego State seven and three. Nevada's just behind them at seven and five. So they're the last team right now on the outside looking in at a bye if it's potential. If they were to cut it down to four teams with a bye, right now Nevada will also have a bye. Fresno, Wyoming, UNLV, San Jose State, Air Force, and if New Mexico, New Mexico does decide to play, they they're dead last looking into that uh, looking into that tournament. Man, UNLV's three and five, but they're the probably the best three and five team in a non-power five conference. They're they're good. They guys got to get their crap together. Again, Wyoming's four and six, Fresno five and six. Are the two teams above them? Fresno and Utah State play tomorrow at is it seven tomorrow. I believe seven o'clock tomorrow and eight o'clock f- Friday. No, seven or eight o'clock Saturday, right? If I'm not mistaken. Fresno State and Utah State. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's Thursday Saturday. Seven tomorrow, eight o'clock Saturday, and then next week is a six p.m. start on December tenth. Which would be, oh my gosh, that's a Wednesday at 6 o'clock? Wow. Oh, that's because it's on KJAS. That's why. It's not a nationally televised game. And then the Wyoming game on Friday is yet to be decided. And then Boise State game one is on CBS Sports Network. No time determined for that one. But then the uh, game two on FS1 will be at 8 o'clock. So uh, Thursday. And then, by the way... I didn't know this until someone pointed it out to me. Nevada, Utah State is a Friday-Sunday matchup at home. How about that? 
Aggies played at home on a Sunday versus Nevada in game two. Really? Yeah. That'll be loads of fun. So that's uh, February 28th? Yep. It's a Sunday. Oh, yeah. The first game is on a Friday the 26th. It'll be on FS1. Time hasn't been announced yet. Won't be probably till the week before either, depending on how that Boise State series ends up. And then uh, the second of the series, yeah. It'll be Sunday on FS1. Oh, my gosh. When's the last time we had a Sunday home game? I honestly can't think of one. Our awesome athletics department, if you're listening to this show that you're big fans of, would you please let us know? Last time the Aggies played a Sunday home game. I don't think they ever have. Honestly. And what is the attendance going to look like, you think? Because that will be senior night. Or senior day. So that will be a day game. I don't think they're going to play a Sunday game at night. That's got to be a day game. Oh, that's cool. Sunday game? Well, I hope you don't have any meetings, Eric. Uh, so I was looking at the different variations of 10-team brackets. Hit how to do a 10-team tournament. Uh-huh. Essentially, you have four teams as kind of a play-in, and then you have the other eight teams, or excuse me, eight, I guess the other six teams, uh, waiting to see what happens. So, um, your 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 higher seeded teams would pro- would wait to see play the winners of uh, of the of the play-in games. I would assume. Um, and then, uh, which would be your lower lower four, uh, and then the rest you know, face off against each other. So, for example, Boise State would play the winner of of um, God, where did it go? Where I just had the standings. You're right, Aji. We're having some awesome radio today. You are struggling. So over right there, my now, good friend. Boise State would play. If the tournament started today, Boise State would play the winner of Air Force New Mexico. Well, okay. I guess New Mexico wouldn't be there. So it'd play the winner of San Jose and Air Force. Nice buy. Two buys. And then right now, Utah State would play the winner of Wyoming UNLV. Oh, see that sucks. That sucks. You need to avoid that. I'm being dead serious. You need to avoid that game because whoever wins, they might lose to you, but they're going to take you through the ringer to make sure that you feel And it'll be on it. UNLV's court. Oh. Yeah, we got to avoid that game. We either need UNLV to start sucking for the next four to five weeks or we got to Or UNLV sweep to Boise get better. State. Yeah, UNLV to get better or just go sweep Boise State and take care of the situation. Now, that may not be the... Uh, ultimate bracket they use, like the one that I'm looking at. Um, but then, like for example, you'd see Colorado State square off against uh, Fresno and Nevada against San Diego State. Hmm. Oh, boy. If the tournament started today, if, if they did this 10-team bracket Fresno, that I'm looking at right now. Nevada. Or excuse me, Wyoming, Boise State, Nevada. We still have four weeks of like eight games, so anything can happen in the span of eight games too. So we uh, we will see. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break. Coming back, we're gonna talk some Jazz basketball. They get a big win over the Pistons, but they had to sweat it out because they can't hold on to a lead of thirty points. Uh, we're gonna talk about that. Eric had a really awesome experience after the game. I hope would you be okay sharing that after? 
Yeah, after uh, ate a bunch of Crown Burger. You know, there's a bathroom nearby. Oh my gosh! Was able to get there in time. It was good. Wait, when you say get there in time, the bathroom or Crown Burger? The bathroom. Sunday interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. 428, your time here on a February 3rd, halfway through the week. What went wrong Wednesday? 435-339-0321. Love to hear from you. And we do have some text uh, in answer to your question that you posed. When was the last time Utah State played on a Sunday? And I remember this. Uh, this is 8968 who r- reminds us of this. They played a Sunday game at between 10 and 12. I want to do more uh, as a coach. I want to do more as a couch. <laughs> and they played in that tournament that nobody liked. So, um, what was that tournament? That was the CIT. They didn't qualify for the NCAA tournament. They didn't qualify for the NIT. And at the time, there were like two or three other postseason tournaments going on. And uh, the Aggies qualified or were invited to participate in this CIT. And they did participate. They went all the way to the championship game. A bunch of teams that nobody really heard of. Fans could go to the games and buy tickets. Not many people did uh, until it got to the championship, and then a few more people did show up. But um, I don't remember if the championship was on a Sunday or not, if that was part of it, but there was a game in that tournament that did take place on a Sunday. Hmm. Well, we're doing it again. Uh, Nevada on February 28th to conclude the regular season. Uh, we do not know... Um, we do not know what time that game will be. We probably won't know until after the Boise State Series based on how that series does go with Boise State. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, 9315 text in, why is Ajay all about dodging teams for USU? We see how well that worked for the Jazz. Okay, calm down, everybody. Listen, UNLV gave us problems. We are 3-19 all-time against the Rebels on their court. Do you want to go face UNLV in the Mount West Conference Tournament on their court? Be straight up with me. Wyoming's not a big deal, but Wyoming's going to let you fill it after 40 minutes of basketball. They're going to beat you up a little bit. They may. I remember after that semifinal game, Sam was doing a lot more limping than I'd like to see. There were some beat-up guys on that. I mean, and, and Bean had, like, red marks all over his legs and arms. Uh, that was a very physical game, and I, I imagine that Wyoming would like to do something similar, play something similar in that Mount West Conference tournament if they were to face the Aggies. I Look, and I think everybody would agree with me, I'd rather much, I'd much rather have to play the winner or get to play the winner of Air Force and... San Jose, is that right? Right. If that was the case, much rather play that. No, again, that's we're, if they set it up on a 10-team bracket if New Mexico ends up not going. We're eight games away. Likely you'd see Boise State play the winner of San Jose and Air Force. And Utah State, who's currently in second position in conference standings, would play the winner of Wyoming and UNLV. All right, uh, let's get to some NBA stuff. Before we get to jazz basketball, uh, USA Basketball is getting ready for the Tokyo Olympics as of right now, planning on going to play. Yeah, you mentioned Tokyo Olympics. A few weeks ago, we saw some reports that... 
You saw a report that said we may not be having the Tokyo Olympics. Right. There were some guys. Uh, I don't know who these people were, but. Well, that's a problem. Kind There's of important flag. people quietly saying, hey, maybe we just shouldn't have it this year. And that leaks out, probably intentionally. And then, uh, like, the the top level people in the government and uh, within the, uh, the Olympic organizers saying, you know what? Yeah, we are going to have this. We can make it happen. Come on now. So they're still proceeding as if the Olympics will take place in Tokyo this summer. ESPN's Brian Windhorst is now reporting that USA Basketball is planning a stage of creating a pre-Olympic bubble in Las Vegas for Team USA, Australia, Spain, uh, to train and play exhibition games against one another before leaving for Tokyo for the Olympics. Now, this is according to the managing director, Jerry Colangelo, who told Brian Windhorst and ESPN. Now, uh... With there's NBA players that are expected to make up the three teams we know with Australia, Spain, and Team USA. That includes guys like Ricky Rubio, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, Joe Ingles, uh, Dante Exum. If he, I, I don't even know if he'll be ready to go by then. Ben Simmons, uh, Patty Mills. Remember the Australia team beat Team that's USA a, in the FIBA tournament. That's a good team. Yeah, really well ran team. It's a good team. Uh, so they beat Team USA. In fact, they split that little two game set that they had. Uh, Spain, who's the current World Cup uh, champions, they have five current NBA players. Um, that again, that consists of Gasol, Rubio, Abaca, uh, and then Wancho, Willie, something like that. I'm pretty sure they're brothers. Anyways, uh, but there's a big flexibility within that. You know when they're available to play. And remember, the playoffs for the NBA will still be going by July 4th. So some of these guys won't even be available to play yet if you're looking for them. Well, so, isn't the 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 rule is you need to be on the roster 3 weeks before the Olympics begin. Yeah. So, okay, so Team USA is planning their training camp or at least to open their training camp the week of July 4th. Again, that's when the NBA playoffs are still ongoing. That's why we had an issue with the 72 game season and them extending it into the summer is for this very reason. Yeah. Uh, and then you're also looking for official commitments from guys who've already played with Team USA in the previous Olympics. So that'd be Steph Curry. I think Clay Thompson's out. I don't think there's a way he's going to play, or even if he had a chance, he wouldn't. Uh, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, uh, and then out of the Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell group, who makes that in the guards to move up in that Team USA team or uh, Team USA World Cup as well, or before the Olympics. I mean, so there's a lot of roster questions, and if you got to get commitments from guys and then you got to put your roster together you got to have a 3 week what is it there's a 3 these are physical but then there's like a like a roster sign that they all have to they have to have the roster turned in by a certain period before the like and it's well before the Olympics. right 3 weeks so i mean there's there's a lot that goes into it and this is why i have such a problem with the playoffs still going while the olympics are that close especially if popovich for some reason has his spurs in it then you have a bigger issue. <laughs> you laugh. Won't have his Spurs. Oh, really? In the finals. Really? Well, say that now. Uh, yep. But you never know. Tim Duncan might walk through that door. <laughs> uh, all right. Just has some scores to get through from last night's NBA before we get to the Jazz. Uh, Boston over Golden State in a really good one, 111 107. Uh, Damian Miller gets the best of Westbrook, 132 121. Blazers over the Wizards. Uh, we talked about Damian, or excuse me, Russell Westbrook and triple doubles. Yeah, did you see that? No stat. No. What was it like over his last seven games where he's had a triple double? His teams are zero and seven. <laughs> Telling you, man, 
it's 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 like hotel heck for Michael or Bradley Bill. I about called him Michael Beasley. That would have been even more insulting. Uh, Indiana over Memphis, 134-116. Brooklyn over the Clippers in a really good one, 124-120. Toronto beats Orlando, 123-108. And the Jazz beat the Pistons, 117-105. Uh, Jazz improved to 16-5, 9-2 at home. Uh, the Pistons now five or fall to 5-16 and overall and 1-9 on the road. And with the loss for the Clippers, that moves the Jazz back into the best record in the league. But this game didn't come as easy as it was looking for quite some time. In fact, the Jazz, uh, who had at one point a 27-point lead, saw that thing squander quickly in the fourth quarter. Eric, you were there live at the game. Tell us what you saw. Well, yeah, Jazz built up this big lead, and they were firmly in control. And really, a lot of shades of uh, what this game looked like in Detroit. Yeah. Like, Jazz built a big lead. And maybe get a little lackadaisical. Their passes aren't as crisp. A uh, couple of, of traveling calls, which are uncharacteristic. And uh, Denver, like, pounds it inside. That They're a big lineup. They were big at every position. Um, as big or bigger um, than the, all the Jazz players on the floor at the same time. And so they used their size advantage. And they, they crashed the board. They... Uh, did everything they could in the paint. They outscored the Jazz in the paint in this game. Um, and they start whittling away at it. Jazz were really good in that first half with uh, so many, what was it, 22 made field goals and 15 assists. So they're really good at slinging the ball around and sharing the basketball and cutting to the hoop and sharing. And just it was, it was great. It was fun basketball. Second half, it started to be a little bit more one-on-one, not quite as focused on running through the team concept and Denver just keeps chipping away at it chipping or excuse me Denver Detroit keeps chipping away at it and we're in the fourth quarter and all they keep chipping away and the Jazz are missing some shots and um it just next thing you know it's like a 11 point game <laughs> and the 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 crowd starts to get more alive like hey come on this is getting a little serious here they're missing three point shots and uh, they come down, they start making theirs. It w- it got a little tense there for a while. Um, and it got down to, what was it, five points? Yeah, it was five. Was as close as they got. Yep. And then Boyan Bogdanovich just started draining threes. They made some great plays, good defensive stops. And eventually Jazz won by 12. Um, so it, Quinn Snyder, after the game, said uh, he kind of, He's like, look, there's good teams in the NBA. These are talented players and good organizations and good coaches. Teams are going to make runs. Um, but, yeah, but if you're up by 27 and you're supposed to be a title contending team, put your foot on the throttle. Let's go. Yeah, but no, it, dude, it's it's a five and sixteen teams basketball make runs. Team. No, not a five and sixteen basketball team on the road at your place when you're up by 27. That yeah, but we happen. talked about this yesterday. Look, look at their record over the last little while. They've been competitive in a, almost every one of their games. Okay, but how many games were they down by 27 and had to make a run? Like, I mean, this that's bad basketball by the Jazz. That's bad coaching by Snyder. They got lazy. They got content with it. And all of a sudden, uh, Pistons are down five and things well, get a little bit sketchy. The point that Quinn was trying to make was that there are, there are talented players in this league and there's good coaches in this league and teams are going to make runs. What he was pleased with is how his team responded and then finished on a run of their own to, to close it out. And it was a good wake-up call for them. 
especially on before they head out on a on an East Coast road trip with some little more challenging teams that they'll have to face. But uh, Donovan Mitchell came out early trying to set a tone for himself and for the team. He didn't wait until late to turn it on. He came out early. Uh, I think he was trying to prove something after his poor performance in Denver. Um, Mike Connolly is just, he's just awesome. He's playing so good. Such control. Helps his teammates. Um, and uh, Royce O'Neal, I thought, was great, too, how he crashed the board. He was defending he was regularly defending guys who were much taller or much bigger than him. And he bodied them up, and I have to give him credit for how he defended out there on the court against guys who were bigger and longer than he was and how well he was able to hold his own out there. Donovan Mitchell, again, he had 32 points. Mike Conley puts in 20. Bogdanovich with 18. Uh, Royce O'Neal had 12 points, 13 boards. And again, the Jazz started 0-2 at home to start the season. They have now won nine straight. At home, so now nine and two uh, inside of MS Rome Arena for the Pistons. Jeremy Grant twenty seven, Josh Jackson at twenty two, Mason Plumlee had seventeen and fourteen for the Pistons. Uh, again, it's just man letting these games get close. In fact, I, sorry, it wasn't. I can't add. It's not by five. It was by four. Jazz had a twenty point lead. Uh, Pistons went on that ten one run. It was one hundred nine one hundred five with two hundred six left. And like you said, Bonjanovic. Did what he does, uh, slammed the door on the Pistons uh, with uh, back-to-back corner threes. Gave him a 10-point lead, about 47 seconds, give or take, um, and uh, put it away for the Jazz. Again, they now regained the re- league's best record at 16-5. and five. That's awesome, by the way. That's what's cool. Yeah. The league's best record goes to the Utah Jazz. Half a game ahead. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, there were... They shouldn't have let that big of a lead get out of hand. Um, they were they had multiple opportunities to push it to thirty or more and just kind of left, left some empty possessions. And uh, Detroit was able to start chopping away at it. Um, now I like Jeremy Grant. I think he's a good player. I liked him with Denver last year. Surprised they let him go. But the Detroit's found a way to give him more minutes and, and a larger role, and he's. He's relishing that, and he's a good player. Um, but you know what? It's eventually the Jazz did what they needed to do. They were able to close it out. Lots of shooters on the floor, and uh, in the end, a good defensive effort too, holding to Detroit to only 105 points. Blake Griffin, who shot just two and nine from the first half, finished four thirteen overall. Uh, that's that's bad. That guy, total yeah. shell of his former self. He was disinterested on defense. On offense, even, he didn't seem very interested. A few times, uh, he had five points in the first half. And early in the third quarter, he had two possessions kind of quickly put up. Uh, He backed Boyan down, and then he hit a a three out on the perimeter, his only three-point shot that he made. And then he really didn't score again. Shot a free throw, made one. Um, But then he just really didn't do a heck of a whole lot. He wouldn't close out on defense. He just didn't seem like he was really into it offensively. I get it. The guys had some some injuries, but that looked more like a mental yeah. attitude thing. It's than crazy it, when anything. you're not winning how it uh, does damage to you mentally on the court. Uh, Pistons did outscore the Jazz. This is crazy. Twenty to eight and twenty to eight in second chance points and twenty two to ten in fast break points. That's incredible. And they went eighteen of twenty from the free throw line. 
if you were to tell me those numbers before the game started, I would have said the Pistons beat them. Uh, some off-the-court uh, announcement of the Jazz uh, yesterday, Eric. Uh, the uh, Jazz team PA announcer, Dan Roberts, he missed just the seventh game in 42 seasons. Seventh game in 42 seasons. Now, we didn't attend the game due to NBA health and safety protocols, so the great Tony Parks got a feeling for Roberts. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, we're going in there into the arena, and we're like, who's doing these in the uh, player introductions? And like that sounds like Tony Parks, and I look over there on the on the bench. I'm like, I don't see Roberts over there. Yeah, that's Tony. Good for him. Uh, it it was weird not hearing him because, like you said, he's been there for yeah, the 42 voice, years. The voice is incredible. Just legendary. Run. Yeah. And, but Tony did a really good job. I was happy to and you, see and him you get don't that expect like I I've I've worked with Tony for five years. Uh, for, I I worked with Tony for five years, I should say, and. Um, in Salt Lake City, and dude, the guy nobody prepares. He is the Al Lewis of the Salt Lake radio down there. Like he prepares like Al, maybe over prepares to his credit sometimes. Uh, so I can only imagine how many times he worked on his voice and the you know the the reads and the live reads and the announcements and such. Uh, but great for Tony. Congratulations to him. Um, I couldn't be more thrilled for that guy. Honestly, uh, one of the best in the biz and. One of the most professional, too. And then, uh, before you get to your experience, uh, the Jazz allowed a little bit more attendance. Uh, what, 3,902 was uh, announced in attendance after just 1,932 fans through the first uh, 10 games. How did it sound? How did it look, Eric? Yeah, it was cool to see the upper bowl with people in there. Um, and it was kind of a quiet game, I'll be honest. I, I think pumping the, the crowd noise um, just kind of makes it... Makes you kind of sit back and not cheer as much, but again, maybe if they didn't do that, it would be a little awkward, awkward silence. Um, but we're wearing masks and you can't cheer as loud as you could normally. But uh, when it got to that fourth quarter there, where it was getting closer and there was those possessions were getting pretty tight, and then Boyan started hitting those threes, it was awesome. There was a good energy in the building, and you could sense it from from uh, up above to all the way down below. So it was cool to see more fans there be able to experience it in person. Eric, uh, speaking of in person and experiencing really cool things, uh, you tweeted out a pretty cool photo, and it has a really cool story. Share it with us. Okay, so at the end of the game, we were able to get down. Uh, you can't get close to the court because the way they've got the the, yep. the seats pulled back and they even have stuff up on the sides. So we got down kind of on an angle to the court on the opposite side of the player bench, and we're next to this camera that's on the, one of the angles that they do over one of the tunnels. And sometimes the players will face that camera when doing a post-game interview. So we're over there, and we see Donovan come out. We're thinking he's going to do that, you know, face that camera. So, we'll, oh, we'll be closer. We can wave to him and say, hey, good job, Donovan. Good game. And so he comes out, and he looks that direction, and we cheer for him. And he only makes it to about the basket. So he's still good ways away from us. And then he kind of goes away. Somebody sets up like a little speaker and a microphone for him to do uh, an, an interview. And we're thinking, okay, this is probably what he's going to do for the, the post-game interview that they have. They'll play it over the whole arena speakers. We can all hear what he has to say. Um, and he comes back. He's got a basketball in his hand. And he looks our direction again. And all of a sudden, woof, he just tosses the ball right at us. And it's coming right. I've got my nine-year-old with us. He's standing right next to me. 
and it's coming his direction. I don't want this ball to bounce off and careen and go who knows where. So I make sure I secure it, and I give it to my little guy, and he's just like glowing. He's going crazy, and Donovan just kind of points at us, and then he goes to the uh, microphone and starts doing his post-game interview. It was awesome. That is cool. So we have an official Utah Jazz game ball. Yeah, and signed it's, it's by a legit Donovan Mitchell. Game ball because like the the numbers are on there. It's a Jazz basketball. Like it's a legit game ball. Uh, looking at, it. in fact, you can find Eric on Twitter at E Franson. Uh, really, really cool photo. So, and by the way, I and kind of a random question, but was that thing just humming when he threw it? Uh, it had some good velocity. <laughs> it was like perfect on target. Really, man. It was like I didn't even have to move. I just reached my arms down and boom, it's right there. And he wasn't like right close to us. It's not no. like we were right above him and he just kind of gently tossed it up. He was, he was a good forty feet, fifty feet away from us. He tossed that thing on a on a rope, got right to us. <laughs> it was awesome. So my little guy, he just he told retold the story about five times on the on the way home last night. Oh, I night. would too. I'd be practicing. I mean, him. we got home at midnight and he was still buzzing. I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight, Dad. I mean, I'd be I don't tell- blame you, man. I mean, practice the story for the ladies. Make sure you let them know. Hey, Donovan Mitchell threw me a game <laughs> ball, know. and I got it. Uh, hey, listen, uh, if you want to go ahead and take that from your kid's room and use that as a pick six gift, by all means, <laughs> that'd be great. Okay? Yeah, we're, we had to remind him several times, this is not a ball you go and take <laughs> on the playground. You're going to go home tonight, and he's dribbling and, like outside in the rain. <laughs> I'm Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> no. Put that ball back in. Don't. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Wrap it up here on the first hour of the Full Court Press. Hour number two, we'll talk all Aggie football for National Signing Day. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. A couple minutes left in the first hour, wrapping it up. We'll talk Aggie football in the second hour, as they've announced their national signing uh, day class for the 2021 year. So, uh, and, and it it's a very like I don't know if I the word is all around, but it's just I mean you got transfers, you got P5 transfers, you got one JC, and you got a few high school kids. There is a focus on one position. It seemed like though, Eric. Yeah, that's true. It's a position we talked a lot about yesterday. Sure interestingly is. enough, but yeah, it's got Utah kids, it's got Mission kids, uh, it's got a lot of transfers. Um, and interesting to hear him talk about the needs that they need to fill and how it may create competition. And I thought he was really interesting um, how he talked about, uh, I- I'm going to recruit to your position. <laughs> and he was making it very clear to guys that are already on campus. I'm going to recruit to your position, absolutely. So I always want to create competition to get the best at, uh, at what we have and what we're trying to do. Hey, uh, really quickly on one more jazz note here. Darko Milicic, all right, here's what he says. Quote, if Gobert is worth that much money, speaking of his $205 million Supermax extension, then our Jokic should sign a contract for $500 million. That's how much better he is than Rudy. I mean, if you want to break the bank on one guy for the next 10 years, then by all means, go ahead. Well, when is when is he due? This year? This offseason? Uh I don't even know. Oh, Jokic contract. I was I was going to I thought it was next year. I might Cuz Jamal wrong. Murray, 
he did a contract extension this last season. So he's earning a lot of money. Okay, so he right now he's agreed to a five. So in in eighteen he agreed to a five year one hundred forty eight million dollar max deal. So five years. So you're looking at twenty three. He ain't leaving either. Anyways, uh, Milijokic probably needs to or Milicic, whatever his name is, probably needs to stop talking. Aggie football coming up next. Also, what went wrong Wednesday? The Aggies, the Jazz. The high schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, hour number two, 501, your start time here. Thanks for joining us, however, wherever you are doing so. If you're just uh, joining us in today's show, glad to have you. Hope you're well. Eric France and I'm Ajay Salveson on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Streaming on the PC, computer device, 106.9thefan.com, or on your phone uh, on the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. I'm having a really (laughs) tough time talking today. It is not going well. I'm just glad we're not doing our bread and butter play of the week. Because I just can only imagine how bad that would go. It's never went bad for me ever with that, by the Those way. Those were good times. Yeah, the only times. The only times, I tell you. Uh, we uh, talked some jazz basketball. They uh, get the win over the Pistons. Had to survive it after leading by as much as 28. League got cut down to four before the uh, Bogdanovich back-to-back threes. Sealed the deal. Put the nail in the coffin on the Pistons. Jazz now have the best record in the league again. Um and uh, improving nine, nine and two at home, so big a uh, big East trip coming up where they're going to have to respond. By the way, uh, one of those games is on Thursday night at five thirty, so we'll be off the air early on Thursday, which is tomorrow, actually, huh? That is tomorrow. Wow, tomorrow is Thursday. Tomorrow is Thursday. Uh, Craig Smith got his presser uh, completed as he previewed the Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, game tomorrow night is at 7, and then Saturday's game is at 8. Um, uh, as the Aggies look to stay in the hunt for a Mount West Conference regular season championship, they got Wyoming next week, and then, of course, they head down to Idaho for a major, major showdown with the Boise State Broncos. Um, and I would say you have to split. You can't do you can't do a sweep. you got to split. Should be fun. Utah State has benefited from San Diego State's rise in the net rankings, uh, whereas before Utah State did not have any quad one wins. Now that San Diego State is up to like twenty eight in the net rankings, their two victories over the Aztecs now show as two quad one wins. So Utah State's resume has helped, has benefited from San Diego State playing well right now. Um, the Aggies need UNLV to play well also. So that loss against the Rebels doesn't remain as a quad three loss. It's better if it could be a quad two loss. Uh, but bottom line here for Utah State basketball, they there's a very, very, very slim margin of error for them if they want to get an, a, a solid consideration yeah. for an at-large invitation. Yep. yep, can't lose. You can't lose. Okay, well, let me rephrase that. The only team you can lose to is the Boise, but you have to beat them one of those two games. Right. Everyone else, you got to beat them. I you got to sweep them. 
till you get to the tournament. And then come tournament time, we'll see what it looks like. Colorado State has an easy path to the rest to finish out their season. Easiest path out of Boise State, Utah State. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, Aggies can't hope for things to fall their way based on other teams' schedules. They got to take care of their own business. Absolutely. Which Craig Smith would say anyway. Really? As long as you ask him about the next game in front of him. Oh, you know what? And not ask about future tournaments. It was just once. Speculations. It was just once. <laughs> just once. I just, I, hey, shut up. But I should take it as like respect that he was a little bit more blunt with me, right? That he was like, look, RJ, enough of these questions. But it's my first, no, enough. But I'm just curious. No, we know you're curious. We got it. You're curious, RJ. What a horrible situation to be in. All right, uh, let's talk some Maggie football, shall we? National uh, Signing Day got underway and has come and gone for Utah State. Coach Janerson and his staff, it's the first class for him. Uh, he mentioned this in the press conference. A, a lot of guys had already signed with Utah State, so it was kind of a smaller class for them, Eric. Very small. When you look at just pure recruits, um, there aren't very many. Uh, and that's part of the reason why you know these national ranking sites have Utah State as one of the uh, lowest ranked schools in recruiting because they just didn't recruit as many freshmen, incoming freshmen, and that that can be an issue long long term. Um, but this coaching staff, their primary focus was look, we've got super seniors coming back. Uh, we've got some holes that we need to fill. We got to figure out who we are, what we're going to be, who fits our system, and let's try to get that figured out and set a tone early. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sorry, really quickly, bouncing back to Harwood just briefly. Uh, two seven eight seven. Buckle up for Boise boys. It's going to be a heck of a ride. Amen. That's going to be a darn good two game series with two good coaches, by the way. Uh, Leon and Craig Smith going at it, and then of course you got you know Allison Jr. on one side, Raleigh Keta on the other. That, that's gonna be some fun basketball. Uh, five seven six three. Craig Smith is planning to win the Mountain West tournament again. Just for your information, guys, that's the way the Aggies are in back to back to back. Could you, dude, listen to that? Like back to back to back. In Craig Smith's three years. He could be a three-time Mountain West Conference championship coach. Well, Blows my he, mind. He Blows knows my like, mind. the only guarantee is to win the tournament. Yeah. So eliminate all other questions. I Punch st- your ticket. I still remember. Force them to take you. I still remember. Do you remember the presser when <laughs> after they had, I think it's after they beat San, uh, San Diego State, do you remember Sam Merrill going to the podium being like, no offense to the NIT? But I don't want to go no NIT. <laughs> and Craig Smith's like, we would have been in any way. And Sam's like, uh, are you sure, Coach? Coach is like, I'm sure. Everyone in the media room sitting right there looks at each other like, hell no, they weren't getting in if they lost to San Diego State. So, no, uh, yeah, you're right, though. It's going to be a fun ride, uh, Boise State, in a couple weeks. But as Eric said and as Craig has said numerous times, it's Fresno State, Fresno State, Fresno State, Fresno State. That is it. Nobody else. Don't care about anything else going on. All right, back to the gridiron. Utah State uh, football signs a total of 19 players. Uh, Ten of these 19 are four-year transfers. Eight are high school signees, and one's a JC. Uh, of the 19 players, five signed with Utah State in December. Three are return missionaries. 
15 of the players are currently enrolled at Utah State for the 2021 spring semester. We're going to get to his thoughts on that, a question you asked him, Eric. Uh, the, let's see, da, 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 da. According to Doug Hoffman, uh, Utah State's 2021 class in, uh, includes 11 recruits on defense, 8 on offense. Of the 11 on defense, 7 are defensive linemen. Uh, Am I right? Yeah, yep, 7, seven are, are defensive, defensive linemen. linemen. Uh, two are defensive backs, two are linebackers. On the offensive side, three are wide receivers, two offensive linemen, one at quarterback, running back, and tight end. Boom. Uh, the National Letter of Intent signing period for the football, it began on February 3rd. It's been extended to Sunday, August 1st of this year. Yeah, and Coach Anderson addressed that a little bit. You know, There may still be a few that, uh, that come in. Uh, right now they're, they're, they're shifting to like a walk-on kind of approach um, with, you know, there may be guys who are here now, but for various different reasons still decide to leave. Um, so they want to still get some other guys in, in their system. So they're not done. They're starting, they've already been shifting their focus to next year's high school recruiting class. Um, but uh, this year was all about filling holes and filling needs uh, with this team. Uh, 9463 texts in, what are your thoughts on Coach Anderson's emphasis on creating a culturally diverse coaching staff, and how does that change the environment from past coaches? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. That's a great question. Uh, he was very vocal about that, that he was going to be diverse in every way. And he, he talked about that in his press conference, in his opening press conference, as he introduced uh, the head coach. Um. And so I wasn't really, I got to be honest, it wasn't really all that surprised. I think the way hiring is going, and you see a lot of that in college football more so than you do in the NFL. I I don't feel like Gary was that, I mean, he was inclusive. I don't feel like he was ever detrimental to the idea. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't think that Matt Wells was I don't exclusionary think Matt Wells was, yeah. I either. Don't, I thought there were there was good diversity could there have been more diversity? Sure. But you're going to hire the best guy. That's right. your job. You're going to hire guys that you know. Black, Asian, or whatever. Who you matter. feel are going to help your team be better. Yeah. And I think matter. that's what Gary and Matt were doing. The color of their skin didn't really matter to them. And I, but I think that Blake Anderson is not hiring guys just because of their cultural background. I think he's, he's hiring guys that he wants to, uh, that he believes in and can be part of his culture. But I think he's also aware of the moment we're in right now, uh, socially and culturally, and uh, being conscious of, look, I want to make sure that I put together a staff that's going to help us win games, but also a staff that's going to reflect our team that yeah. we have, that's going to be culturally diverse. Well, it's going to be from all different walks of life. He also talked about in his uh, introductory press conference, he's a family guy. He is based around family, and he wanted to hire – other coaches who had those similar feelings, whether they had a family or not, wife and kids and such, uh, he he's very faith and family-based, um, along with being a head football coach. And so I think that kind of puts a, an emphasis on where he was going with that. But, yeah, it's a diverse step, but like you said, and like I agree with you, I think Anderson and Matt Wells were no different from that. So, uh, you know, How does it change the environment from past coaches? Um, fair question. I, I don't... I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's way too early to tell. I mean, they're they're really just a month on the job. So that's something that we have to give some time to figure out 
really what they look like and what they're able to produce. All right, so let's go ahead and start off with Coach Anderson's opening statement. It is a little bit long, but he talks about the players, the recruits, and why he has them. It's a great opening statement, and that's why we're going to play it for you. So here's Coach Anderson to start off things in his press conference on National Signing Day. Well, it's good to be here. First signing class for us, although, you know, this recruiting is a little different these days with the early signing period in December and um, and then the possibilities, as, as you'll see and you can tell, the addition to guys during the, the break over the course of the, the Christmas break and then signing signing in February, still a handful of guys signing today. So it's a little different. I think we saw that a year ago when uh, or a couple years ago when the early sign period started. The transfer portal has changed that even more. And then you take into the account coaching change transition. Uh, I, I think the first recruiting class with any new staff is um, we kind of call it a transitional class is is really really important and, and I'm proud of the way the guys the staff have handled things uh, we were spread out all over the place uh, do uh, you know just trying to get here due to some staff still dealing with bowl games and and when they could get cut loose and when we could all get back I, I think they did a, a really good job of us kind of pulling together and and putting together what I think is a really solid class to start things off for us now it's done in stages with um, several different pieces kind of here. I need 19 total guys, if you look, 19 total guys in the signing class, but it, it came in different stages. I kind of look at it in, as in high school guys that signed in December. Uh, we were fortunate to be able to hang on to five kids that were previously recruited by the old staff uh, that we thought fit what we were trying to do. Some of those guys have been on missions coming back. That's a little new for me. I haven't dealt with missions in quite a while, so that'll get to – get to figure out how that works a little bit better. But, you know, five in-state guys that had been recruited by the previous staff that still wanted to be a part of what we're doing. Uh, we communicated with all the guys that were committed. Actually lost a few guys that opened their recruitment up that, that just wanted to, to open things up and look. And we were okay with that. But uh, when you look at the five that signed that are already here on campus, they've all gotten here in, in – uh, and Cinny and Jack Rigby and, and Otto and Johnson Hansen and Siona Mo, all four, five of those guys are in-state guys, quality players, several have been on missions. Those guys are already here on campus and doing a good job. And one thing you do like is the fact when a kid signs and he goes on mission for two years, he comes back and he's gained about 20 pounds of muscle. I like the way I like the way a couple of those guys showed up. So that's kind of the first stage of the signing class. I think that is, um, you know, that was a big critical part. Try to keep intact – Guys that had signed before or, or committed before that, that loved this place and had a passion for it. And I think our staff did a good job. We did not keep everybody. There were a handful of guys that didn't fit our footprint, didn't fit really the culture moving forward that we we talked about kind of changing the recruitment with them. And we did lose a couple kids down the stretch. And as I mentioned, a couple opened up their recruitment as the staff changed. That's, that's typical. But these five guys stuck with us, and we're excited to have them. You know, the next step was really how we were going to handle – kind of filling in the holes in the roster as best we could. We didn't know a lot about it. We'd watched a bunch of tape. And we just tried to really talk to the guys here that are being retained on staff and Al and DJ uh, and some of the guys in recruiting, talk to them about where they felt like some of the significant needs were. Uh, we'd watch a lot of tape and, and try to, in our own mind, maybe picture where we could see some changes schematically where we might need some, some, uh, some pieces to the puzzle. And that's where you know we went to work in the in the transfer market. Uh, 
not something we want to do full time, not something we want to do in every class, but in this particular class, felt like it was something that could benefit us, maybe help us in the uh, transition this first year. And so we brought 10 transfers in, one of those being a JC player, nine of the others coming from uh, four-year programs. And obviously three of those guys following uh, me and Coach Cephalo and, and the guys from Arkansas State out in Logan Bonner, the quarterback, Brandon Bowling, the wide out, and, and Justin Rice, who had transferred from Fresno to Arkansas State due to the COVID shutdown and then really wanted to follow us out here, get back closer to home. And, and just the relationships were a huge part of that. They weren't going to stay put. They were going to leave and, and really wanted to finish up their careers with us. And we're excited to have them here. Uh, but also, in that sense, you got a, a, a guy like Patrick Joyner who came from Miami, who obviously had great relationships with, with Coach Bannon and his crew, a guy like Kyle Mayberry, the corner that I recruited out of high school and have stayed just kind of never really broke communication with him, even though he's playing at Kansas. Guy that followed me on social media, I followed him, kind of been watching his career. When he graduated and, and put his name in the portal, it was a great opportunity to get back in on him. So I think the the JC D-tackle and Aryan Peoples and the 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 transfers from the Division One places all give us a chance to come in and plug in holes. And excited about all of them, and I think they all fit particular needs, especially when you think of the three, the, the four D linemen and Aryan Peoples, Jahazel Lee, who just got here this week from Georgia Tech both Byron Vaughns and, and Patrick Joyner, with the changes that we're going to be making with Coach Spanda up front, I mean, that was something critical to go with the group that we already he had here. So those guys are already on campus, which is awesome. That's 15 guys that we added to the program basically in January that all get a chance to go through spring ball, go through offseason with Paul Jackson and his staff. That is huge in our, uh, you know, being able to put a competitive team on the field in the fall, which we all want. Today was a little unique in the fact that we really only signed a few guys. In years past, you may have, you know, 10, 15 guys signed in February. But with early signing day, with the transfer portal, with guys being able to get here at midterm, with a handful of high school guys coming off missions and getting here in January, we really only signed three players today. And, and that is uh, that is unique territory. Uh, you know, Bo uh, Miley, the defensive lineman from here in, here in the state, obviously everybody knows the last name, is familiar with him. and He's a nephew, I think, of Frank. Uh, and, and so – Gave him the opportunity day one. Like, we'd love to have you, want to keep you, want you to be a part of this, uh, even though we know Frank is not going to continue to coach here. And he was, Coach, that's where I want to be. And we're excited to get him. I think he's going to get big. He's going to end up moving from end down to a three-technique position and and, and be a, a really good player as his career develops and as he develops. Um, Martavius Nana Davis, the speedster out of Alabama, 10, 400-meter guy, and you never can have too much speed. So excited about him signing today. He's a kid that was committed to Louisiana Lafayette for a while and decommitted as some things changed there on their staff. We had recruited him at Arkansas State. Coach uh, Tuck had recruited him at Central Florida. And so we already had a relationship built with him. And, and it just felt like he fits what we do offensively. Uh, and, and like I said, 10, 400 meters is hard to recruit. Uh, you can you, you got to uh, – you know, get in and, and take your chances when you can. And we're, we love having him. And then the last one would be Calvin Tyler, the running back that's going to be transferring in here in a couple months from Oregon State. Unique that he already had a relationship with Chucky. Chucky was on staff at Oregon State when the kid visited there. They had a great relationship, so it just made a lot of sense. When he decided to leave, he reached out to Chucky and his family and really didn't open up his recruiting a whole lot. 
So you, you see this in stages, the December high school guys, guys coming off missions, the transfers that we felt like fit strategic <laughs> positions, and then the three signees today. And then kind of the last guy is Ike Larson. Ike Larson is a high school in-state signee DB, signed in December, but won't be getting here till the summer. So we've already, you know, we already signed him back in December, but the, the you know, the Aggie Nation won't really see him until he gets on campus in, in the summer and in the fall. And that rounds out 19, 19 kids in a class. Um, we're basically done with with this particular class. We will, you know, be looking to continue recruiting into August with some potential blue shirt spots. But this is the the bulk of it. And I felt like we made good decisions physically but we made really good decisions on the personalities of the guys that are coming in, fit what we want to do, how we want to do things, the, the energy and enthusiasm of the program that we want to build, the kind of culture, a family-based culture. And uh, they all chose us, I think, to be a part of that. And I think it's a good first step in, in where we're at. That's Coach Anderson as the uh, Aggies have announced their his under his tenure as an Aggie coach, 19 signees, uh, part of the 2021 class for the Utah State Aggie football team. Uh, he went through the roster, about all of them. <laughs> you got some good ones, too, Eric. Any names that stood out to you when he was talking about them? Well, certainly one of the things I'm most curious about is just the, the relationship with some of these guys that he got to, to come with him mm-hmm. or from other yeah. P5 programs to come to Utah State. Uh, to Utah State has benefited. They've gotten some P5 transfers before, but I don't recall a time where we've had so many yeah. transfers just come kind of to load. Utah yep. State. Um and I thought it was interesting. He talked a little bit more detail about Logan Bonner that he was going to leave before. Uh, he was already putting his name in the transfer portal before uh, Blake Anderson he decided to go. Was known to be coming to Utah State. Um, but uh, yeah, it, there's there's not a lot of youth in this recruiting class. That could be an issue in the future. But this is a coaching staff that's trying to figure out what they have, and they're trying to get off on the right foot early on and set a tone and set the right culture. So I, I get what they're doing. Um, and it, on paper, like you said, it sounds exciting. It sounds interesting. Um, the other thing that really stood out to me is how many of these guys, how much of this recruiting class is on campus today. That really stands out to me. That is huge. That's significant. They get into the weight room. They'll be a part of uh, the spring ball they be part of the off-season conditioning and understanding what what this uh, offensive schemes, defensive schemes are all like. They just get more time on campus with this coaching staff to give them a head start for next year. Coach Anderson? Yeah, all but four of them are on campus right now, to be honest with you. So uh, that is huge. Uh, Ike Larson will be here in the summer. Bo uh, Maele will be here in the summer. Uh, Nana Davis will be here in the summer. Actually – we're really fortunate because of Calvin Tyler's academic schedule. He is likely to be here for spring ball. So you would, you would say, I mean, that is, that is huge to get all off season, all spring ball, and then fold that into the summer. Uh, that was one of the reasons that we wanted to go the route we did with the transfer players and guys that were able to be ready to go. Now uh, had, had some of these guys not been able to get out and be here in January, might have changed our approach. We might have gone with a high school kid instead. Uh, but but there's there's no substitute for four and a half, five months of working with a guy, Paul Jackson working with a guy, learning X's and O's from the, from the coordinators and position coaches. I think that's going to be a big part of us being able to be a competitive team early next fall. I hope it is. 
Yeah, it's a nice little advantage to have when you have those camp when you have those kids on campus either now or in the summer. It really does help. So, uh, a big plus for uh, Coach Anderson and, uh, and and his staff. Yeah, that's a huge, huge benefit. New staff. There's going to be a new system. Uh, there's going to be tweaks. There's going to be some different ways that they do things here. Absolutely. And boy, if you can get a head start on on these new guys that are coming in. Because you're already having to teach it with to the existing players that are here, um, and instead of having them try to learn and, and get as much in through the summer as they can, man, it's a huge, huge advantage. It's going to give his coaching staff a leg up coming into next season. Uh, Nine three one five. That's a waste. That's way smart in my mind to have the most uh, have most of the football players on campus right now. I feel great with the way things are going. One five three four. He's a fool if he thinks missionaries come home. With twenty pounds of muscle, and he's absolutely right. <laughs> it's uh, that is definitely weak. a rarity. Yeah, they come back twenty pounds heavier, but it's not or twenty pounds lighter. I was well, that's skinny. true. I lost depends so on where much some weight towards the end of my mission. I, some guys go. Yeah, uh, it was kind of worrisome. So yeah, it depends. All right, we're gonna have more from Wait, coach. You missed another text. Nine three one five. Is Ajay gonna ask Anderson the silly question about a game they haven't played? Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, one oh six nine FM, thirteen ninety AM, the fan. Derek France and RJ South here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. If you want to text in with your thoughts, except if you're 9315, you've been banned from texting in. We, <laughs> Eric has blocked you for your insensitive comment towards me. It's good stuff. Eric protects me. You've been blocked. 435-339-0321 to text into the show. Uh, Utah State football got their uh, national signing day out of the way with 19 signees. Uh, and... and a couple of good things that stood out to me actually when I was uh, when I was listening to this press conference, Eric. Um, you talked about uh, the need for I guess well I guess JCs and transfers and high school kids. Uh, just I mean having to find a way to balance that, right? I guess you know you got high school kids, but you got JCs and you got transfers. Uh, and here's Coach Anderson on that. I didn't know how to phrase the question when I actually. Well, no, I phrased the soundbite. So um, this is uh, Anderson on recruiting high schools or high school signees, JCs, and transfers, and just kind of dancing around that. Well, I think we're we're in a position where we can we can do a great job in state and in in our footprint at the high school level. I'd love to see over half of our class be in that area. Although I'll say this, you know, the transfer portal and how things maneuver moving forward. Is, is kind of uncharted territory. This is somewhere we've not been before. Uh, and so I think we have to see what kind of success we have with the transfers that we've brought in, see how they blend with the team and how they fit in our culture, and then kind of make decisions moving forward. Um, I would not ever want the entire class to be made up with transfers by any means. And I definitely want to start at home in the state of Utah. Uh, and, and when you've looked at previous years when teams were really, really good, They've done a phenomenal job up front on the O-line and D-line especially and some key, uh, some key defensive and offensive players in positions of leadership. 
Uh, I don't know what that number is going to be. I mean, I figure we're going to take 25 uh, in a year in a full class, and I would expect well over half of that to be high school kids, most of those coming from the state of Utah. And then at that point, looking and just seeing what your roster looks like in terms of injury, attrition, uh, guys transferring down to play more, guys that, like you saw this year, a couple guys that maybe, you know, make their run at, at the NFL early or, or take a Power 5 type opportunity, I think those will dictate whether or not we feel a veteran player is necessary or not. But I don't, uh, I don't know if it's possible to give you a hard number on that, but I, I do definitely want to start with Utah high school players being the foundation of how we build this program moving forward. I like that. I like how he ends it. I want to start with Utah kids being the foundation of this football team. In this signing class, when you consider various, you know, wherever these players came from, whether high school, JC, or uh, they were in other places, they were transfers. Um, eight are originally from the state of Utah. Definitely the biggest state where these recruits come from. Four came from Texas, two from California, one from Alabama, Florida, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Washington, respectively. But there is an emphasis here to get kids from Utah to come to Utah State. Even if they somehow find their way somewhere else earlier on, find a way to bring them back. Mason Knight certainly is one who comes to mind, offensive lineman who spent time at a couple different spots, but uh, now he's coming to Utah State. Another guy that's interesting uh, to me that stood out was uh, Justin Rice, transfer who, who was uh, at Arkansas State. Before that, he was at um, Fresno. And this was uh, a guy that was legitimately thinking about going to the NFL and probably had an opportunity, but decided to stick around one more year. And uh, now he's going to be wearing a Utah State jersey. Yeah, and another kid that we're, uh, we, we've heard a lot about, Isaac Larson, local Valley kid, right? Um, one Goes to Logan, does great there. Goes to Skyview, helps lead them to a state championship. Uh, was a major factor, probably the biggest reason why they won that state championship. And, and Coach Anderson talks about where he sees him playing uh, on the football field. You know, we, we feel like he's probably going to grow into a safety uh, at this level. He's, I know he's played corner and played some wide out. But typically, guys are going to put on 15, 20 pounds of muscle once they get into a program and are playing one sport and eating and uh, right and, and the nutrition that we have. Just feel like he's got the frame to grow. Expect him to probably end up playing safety for us. And you mentioned special teams. Those guys start on every special team. And that's huge for us moving, you know, moving on and make sure he's got much speed in space and good guys out in space. He definitely fits that on film. And, boys, he athletic as all get out. Isaac Larson turned out to be – one of the better recruits for Utah State and for Coach Anderson and this staff. Uh, something I, I think somebody that will get or at least turn heads on this coaching staff and excite a lot of this Valley. Well, he was committed to Utah State before the coaching change occurred. Yep. So it's a win that they were able to keep him around because other teams were swooping in to try to persuade him to go elsewhere. And that uh, this, uh, this Blake Anderson and his coaching staff were able to convince him to stick around and have faith in them uh, speaks volumes. And they were able to do that not just with this recruiting class, but also the current existing roster. And we wondered how things might shake out uh, with some of the events over the last few months. But uh, I found it interesting to hear how many of these seniors are coming back. 
There's so many of them that, that want to come back and give it one more shot in an Aggie uniform. Well, we, we, I would say probably 90% of the class is already back. We, we did lose a couple kids to transfer portal. We lost a couple kids that were just honestly physically done, uh, tired and ready to, you know, got married, got kids, wanted to go get a job. But uh, without giving you a, a, a number, because I honestly don't know the exact number, I would say 95% of the senior class is back on campus and, and preparing to, to play their, you know, that extra year. Wow. 95% of those seniors are on campus and plan to come back for another year. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Initially, he said 90, but then the more he's talking about it, he's like, yeah, maybe it's closer to 95. Well, so what changes, Eric? What, what does Anderson bring that those seniors who went from a very miserable roller coaster, more down than up, all of a sudden turn around and say, yeah, I want to come back and play another year? Well, in a year filled with a lot of drama yeah. off the field. Um, I think it speaks a lot to just his presence and the coaching staff he's able to put together and listening to their concerns, um, having a plan to address those concerns. And I think he's done and, a great job because he's dressed them head on. Right, and, and to make them feel like they would have a place. It would be easy for him to say, you know what, we're going to have a different culture here. Uh, if you want to walk, um, if you want to be done, we appreciate your service in an Aggie uniform, but maybe it is time for you yeah. to pursue other interests. But it said, well, a lot of these guys are coming back. I think that speaks a lot to what this coaching staff has done in the short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I'm excited to see, and I think Savon Scarver looks like he'll be one of those guys returning back to the football team. I think he wants another shot at it, and I don't blame him at all. I think he, uh, you know, he feels like he kind of got gypped on his senior year and he wants to try it again. And that's a big get to have him back on the football team. Yeah. I think one of the bigger questions about uh, these transfers coming in and we've talked about drama that's happened off the field. Um, could there be potential drama in the quarterback room? Uh, bringing in a transfer from Arkansas State, somebody who is part of his system, somebody who knows him very well personally. Will he show favoritism? To his former Red Wolf? Never, ever promised a guy a starting spot, and Logan's the first one to tell you that. Uh, and we made it really clear to the guys on the roster that it's a wide-open competition. We were clear with Logan about what we had on campus and, and that we, uh, we obviously felt like that we needed, to, we needed to try to bring in a veteran guy if we could to create stability in a room, but that – whoever wins the job this spring is going to be the starting quarterback. He obviously has the skill to do that, but I think we got other guys in the room that have skill as well. We kept them uh, informed all along the way that we would potentially bring in a transfer, that the room, you know, it, we did not have enough bodies in the room to feel comfortable uh, going into the season as is. And we definitely wanted somebody here to be able to go through the offseason program. So uh, that room is unique, and it is on every campus. I mean, one guy's going to play – we played two last year due to COVID at Arkansas State, but really have no desire to do that again in the future. And didn't really want to do it this year. But everybody knows that that room is built off of competition and everybody in the room is going to have an opportunity to compete. And we'll let, we'll let you know, productivity and efficiency uh, in leadership you know, dictate who the guy is. And uh, Logan believes he can be that guy or he wouldn't have come, but he also knows he's got to earn it and he's got to earn it every day. Yeah, that's going to be major, and it's going to be fun to watch to see what kind of presence uh, a Logan Bonner brings into the quarterback room. Remember, Cooper Lega, the Calvin kid, and then the uh, and Andrew, Andrew Peasley. Peasley, of course. 
Yeah. Uh, brings in some good competition in there. Right. And uh, I, I, I can appreciate that. Look, he's not a, he's not promising anything. He's, uh, he's creating competition. And whomever is the best, that will get the, that'll be the guy that gets the reps. That's the guy who will practice with the first team. Um, so I, that's that's good. I think it's what he has to do. It's what he needs to do to gain the trust of that that uh, that locker room. And uh, what what they want to try to do moving forward. Maybe it is it's uh, Logan Bonner that runs it the best, and he's going to give them the best shot at winning games. Maybe it's Andrew Peasley that understands this system better. Maybe Cooper Lagaz's natural talents and understanding and ability to absorb this new playbook is what sets him apart. Maybe he's the guy. Mm-hmm. But just it sounds pretty clear to me. Just because they brought in a transfer uh, quarterback doesn't mean necessarily he's going to be the guy that's going to run the show. And speaking of recruiting, how about recruiting with the extra year players? I think this is the question you asked about. You know, with these guys coming back and you're still recruiting. You know, how does that shake about? And so here's Coach Anderson on that. We kind of had to separate the two to some degree. Um, you just kind of had to sit down with the administration, and I did with John, and, and tackle the super senior kind of conversation first. It's, it's you know, almost treated like a bonus. It's, it's, again, we want those guys to have opportunities to come back. But in terms of big picture looking forward, you didn't want it to – you didn't want to make strategic decisions in the recruiting process based off of that one bonus year because the numbers are going to go back down after one year, and, and that's the world you're going to have to live in. So we kind of kept them separated and, and looked for what do we need a year down the road, two years down the road, five years down the road, and that's where most of the decisions came in. A lot of these transfer kids have more than one year of eligibility. The ones that don't we thought were strategically guys that we could not pass on that could help our team through this first season to be as competitive as possible. Um, but we, we really just looked at in watching film and looking at the roster where we thought the most immediate holes were, and that is how we approached recruiting. And we really kind of put aside the super senior roster and just felt like it was a bonus, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, it does make sense. But, and it's a, tough, it's a tough topic to tackle right now as a head coach, right? I mean, you're still trying to figure out Get your bearing set of, of what your roster, what you want it to look like, and you have to do it from a recruiting standpoint. And then also another one, uh, recruiting or recruitment and walk-ons. And uh, and he's a big fan of well, yeah, he's a big fan of walk-ons because he feels like it tells a story that it it sends a message and that the kid comes in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and a goal to obtain. Right, and he's had some success with walk-ons turning into impact players who eventually earn scholarships. Yeah, everybody's coming in to recruit. And if you're paying attention as you are, social media, there's there's a lot of great players in the state, and, and there's offers going out. We've made a bunch of offers in-state already in 22. Can't talk about walk-ons, but I can tell you that, that Coach Roberson, the director of player personnel, that we take that very seriously. Uh, we had a lot of walk-on players play for us at Arkansas State and earn scholarships at Arkansas State. I have, I myself as a coordinator had a four-year starter at quarterback at Southern Miss who was a walk-on, uh, who actually won the uh, award that's given out in uh, in Little Rock every year, uh, the Burlesworth Burles, Award, hard to, hard to say. Um, 
I believe in walk-ons, and I think they can help your football program. And there's no better place to get those than in-state, uh, where, where obviously tuition is going to be easier. It's going to be proximity to their family. Uh, I, I think guys come in and earn a spot. We put them on as soon as we can. So we're going to actively recruit in the state, number one, the best players, obviously. Uh, and we want to compete uh, against the Power Five and Group of Five teams coming in to try to take them out of the state. We're going to make that clear. We're going to recruit against everybody. I think we've already got 15 to 20 offers out in the state for 22 already, uh, and we're going to continue to add to that list. But then we're going to actively recruit preferred walk-ons as well, guys that we think are right on the bubble, guys maybe that we would like to offer but that our numbers are just full, feel like they can go on scholarship in the future, and obviously we feel like they can get on the field and help us. And so a lot of those guys will make announcements and, and do things on their own. We can't comment on it, but we are happy to have them, and we have offered them opportunities to come in and be a part of the team. Love that. Love the message that he sends to walk-ons. Don't be afraid to come in and know that you're going to get an opportunity if we have a spot available. Yeah, it Compete happens every year. Starting spot. Yeah. happens every year. Yep. Somebody uh, didn't initially get a scholarship. They work hard. Somebody who does have a scholarship, they transfer, they leave. Maybe they've had a, a, a bad injury and they just can't play anymore. And the team needs that uh, progression to happen within the system and that that guy who's a, a walk on has earned his keep and is playing minutes, playing practicing hard, and they uh, turns out they end up getting the scholarship. So it, it happens every year, happens all the time. Due to time constraint, we're going to go ahead and limit it to one more quote. And uh, look, he had a bunch of great recruits come into the class, but he forgot about number twenty. And that's his beautiful fiance who's just got engaged here in Cache Valley. Uh, she'll be moving to Cache Valley here shortly. Here's Coach Anderson on that. You're right. That's the only five-star signee of, uh, of this recruiting class. Yes, I can. I'm excited. Uh, did get in, engaged. Uh, actually got engaged out here a couple weeks ago when Brittany came in for, for a visit over the weekend. Um, you know, just uh, – I'll tell you, man, just obviously everybody knows my story and my background. The last years have been, have been a huge challenge between uh, my wife's battle with cancer and, and losing her – uh, after a couple-year battle of that, my, losing my father as well. Uh, you know, God just brought Brittany into my path uh, last year, uh, somewhere around, I don't know, November or so. Became really, really good friends and uh, ultimately ended up moving from being friends to, to dating. And, uh, you know, I just figured out I, I, I better I better get her to sign the dotted line before she, she smartened up and, and ran the other direction. But uh, she and her two daughters will be moving out here. Uh, later in the spring, and uh, we're going to get married uh, in May, and uh, she's excited about coming. And I'm so congratulations to Coach as he'll uh, marry Brittany. In fact, I I saw her at a basketball game. He had brought her to one of the basketball games, and I uh, was able to sit by her. And uh, I mean, I didn't chat with her or anything, but uh, he they sat together uh, just behind the Aggie bench. And uh, um, congratulations to both of them. Happy for them, and uh, uh, to have them a part of the Cash Valley and Aggie Nation community. So. Uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for our quotes today. We're running out of time. We still got uh, what went wrong Wednesday. I don't know what, wrong, what, what, when the, what went wrong for you. I can't talk today, dude. I can't do it. I'm speaking Indian again. <laughs> this happens every oh, now yeah. and then. I speak Indian. Can't get out of it. Uh, and then we'll also – oh, some news on Sam Merrill, by the way, who is uh, not being demoted – but being promoted to G League, and I'll explain what we mean here coming up next on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. 
Eric Franson, RJ Salson here on the Full Court Press, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, oh, I hate that techno stuff. I can't do it. Uh, 2776 text in. Hey, big recruiting news that you guys haven't covered today. Is that the Brittany Anderson thing? I have no, I don't know. I have. Just, just, it's like it's leaving us for more and it's not there. So give it to us, 776. What is it? What is the big recruiting what are we that we have not got? Uh, 8968, where the pressure is on to win. Now I can see why Coach Anderson is doing what he is doing. What, transfer-wise, I think, maybe? Just bring uh, those big yeah. P5 guys? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 4875, when discussing QBs next year, make no mistake about it. Logan Bonner is coming here to be the starter, and that's the plan. If Peasley or Legault wins the job, we're in trouble. Uh, I have more I confidence in Peasley in I'm, I hope Logan Bonner makes it an interesting competition, and it is that, a competition. Maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the better I'd, quarterback. Yeah, but I, I mean, I feel like Anderson made it very clear to us, and I don't think Anderson would pull it on us, that, hey, look, we told Logan this as well. We, there's a situation in the quarterback room where it's, it's pretty competitive. So you're going to have to come here and compete for a spot. You're not giving it. You're not guaranteed a spot. We're going to go out there. We're going to see who the best quarterback is. They'll win it in the spring, and whoever wins it in the spring is your starter. Um, and I think it's important that that be determined by the end of spring camp. Yeah. I think if they carry the competition through the summer, I think it gets confusing, and I don't know that we've ever seen great things come of that. Just figure it out here in the spring. You'll have enough ample time, hoping, fingers crossed, that you're able to still have a spring practice like normal. Yeah. And then uh, name your starter. Uh, 2776. <laughs> Screenshot the tweet. <laughs> After much discussion, thoughts, and meditation... <laughs> I'd like to announce I'm staying in Logan. See you this fall in tailgate spot 43. Well, thank you for staying, AK Aggie. <laughs> uh, grateful to have you here. Uh, I, I did see this on Twitter earlier I, I today. I need to follow him, but the problem is that AK won't follow me on Twitter. So, <laughs> all right, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, all right? Uh, hey, tailgate, I need to go to some tailgating. I get there pretty early. I need to go tailgate. If uh, 2776. Let me know what you uh, what you do for food and snacks over there, and maybe I'll come uh, join you for a few minutes for some tailgating if I'm allowed. I think I'm part of the Cool Kids group. I don't know. We'll find out. All right, uh, let's take a break. Coming back, uh, Sam Merrill news and uh, a very interesting quote. We just talked to Jeff Grammer yesterday about the New Mexico Lobo situation. He was then asked about it, Coach Weir was, about that situation and opting out. You're going to want to hear this quote. You're absolutely going to have to... Listen to this one. Uh, 30 seconds, we'll be back. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. <laughs> That's the fastest 30 seconds in radio history. <laughs> Woohoo! Zip! I don't know what I pushed. We're back. Oh, shoot. I got to delete these. Hold on. I got to delete this. Oh, crap. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, we're good. Sorry about that. Well, welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Andre Salveson. My bad. Uh, here is Paul Weir. So remember, Jeff Grammer was on with us yesterday uh, about players who were considering opting out and maybe not entirely by their own choice, quote-unquote, but at the urging of the staff. Now, on a Zoom call today, 
Uh, Jeff wanted to make sure Paul Weir had an opportunity to respond. Here is that response. Sure, and give you the opportunity to be, be clear. Are you disputing um, the media reports? I know there are really only two media reports that said this, and I was one of them. So are you disputing the, that some players are considering opting out and that maybe some of the conversations you've, you've referenced several times that these conversations have happened throughout the year, in your response or in your staff's response to those players, has it ever been about the way they can opt out and that that's an option? And maybe those players took that as you guys encouraging them to, to opt out. Are you disputing the reporting? I am not disputing the basics of the reporting. I think it's probably the nuance of it. Do players on our team think about opting out? I'm sure they have, and I'm sure they will. And I think that goes on at every single program in the country. I believe that maybe some thoughts of players considering opting out were probably shared in ways that maybe was not totally accurate of how they genuinely felt. Because with me in front of our team, given the option to opt out, no one has done that. So breaks, yes. Situations that they need space or accommodations or resources for, yes. But I have had no player come to me or have a conversation with me since Fresno State that they were opting out of the season and I either talked them out of it, into it, or anything of that nature. Okay. All right. All right. Good luck. <laughs> uh, in other basketball news, Sam Merrill has been assigned to the G League Milwaukee's G League affiliate, which is the Wisconsin Herd. But they've opted out of the G League bubble, so Sam Merrill will now head to Memphis to play with the Memphis Hustle. Uh, I talked to somebody close to Sam, and he said he's excited about going to be able to chance to play. That sitting on the bench was getting a little bit too much for him. He's excited to get his legs fresh and get some minutes in. Well, yeah, get some opportunities to put up buckets, put up shots, uh, get film on him, run the system, and uh, hopefully grow into a more significant role later on. Good night, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See ya.